Welcome to Definitely Maybe Agile, a podcast where Peter Madison and David Sherrock discuss the complexities of adopting new ways of working at scale. Hi, Dave. Great to see you again. Hey, Peter. Good to see you. So I don't know what it's like with you, but we've just getting warnings of minus 25 degrees C wind chill here in Vancouver, oh. which I recognize for you is barely anything. But, uh, <laughs> That's just gonna be a it's it's going to put a, it's definitely going to put a damper on the weekend. Oh, yeah, that does not sound pleasant. It's actually been getting a little warmer. The, the early part of this week was just awful, awful, awful. Um, so, so we were we were just chatting, and then uh, in our usual way about what to talk about today, and uh, and the the topic of the of defining value came up, or the or value definition. So, uh, which is a great topic. It's uh, it's one that uh, I think people struggle with a lot. And so, yeah, what what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, it's interesting. I was just uh, this week doing a training on product ownership, and whenever I'm talking to product owners and product managers, the topic of value comes up very, very quickly. And what I'm always somewhat surprised at, even after, well, 20 years now of the Agile Manifesto talking about customer collaboration and um, the many different things, design thinking and so on, all of these different things which are trying to put the customer first, I'm always surprised at how any conversation around value centers first and foremost on dollars and cents very, very quickly. And secondly, on dollars and cents to the company rather than on an appreciation of customer experience, value created for the customer, for example. So I think those are the two things that strike me more than anything is we tend to get trapped in looking at dollars and cents, which is natural. There's profit and loss that we have to take care of. We have to be able to look at profit margins, market share, revenue. All of that is obviously measured primarily in dollars and cents. Um, but then the second piece being that it's also really only through the lens of the company. Yeah. And whereas, whereas value is really, I mean, the customer is the one who defines the value. And so in, in my world, we, we often talk about value delivery and the, and the world moving to value delivery. Uh, and how you, there's many other types of value other than money, but that is, as you say, very often how people end up defining it. And, and that some of that, I think that comes from your typical MBA type thinking. Um, but then if you, if you start to look at this idea that, um, and this is one I like to throw out when we start to talk about this, that if the, uh, if the product is free, then you are the product. If you take a look at a company like Twitter, for example, uh, Twitter's revenue stream and value is based off um, their reach into the marketplace. And the things that they develop as value are to grow their base because that's the, the value that they're generating is the ability to connect with others. So there's many, many other types of value and different ways of going about defining this other than just dollars and cents. Um, so are, are there ways that you particularly use or like to like help people understand that concept? Yeah. Um, before I dive into that, I just wanted to pick up, I think you're absolutely right, that whole idea of you are the customer or you are the value if something is for free. And I just wanted to dig into that because I think those businesses which give their product away for free have to have a completely different perspective on what value is. So uh, what I'm thinking there is in, in a world where you're selling some product off a shelf or something which is 
you know, a, a more traditional product or service, which is has fees associated with it and or, or a price associated with it, then we're going to sit in that world where I'm really looking at market share and revenue and profit. Whereas if you take that mindset of how do I think about a product when if I'm to give this away for free, where is the value? Where is the revenue coming in? And what can I do around generating an understanding of where that revenue comes in and generating an appreciation of the sorts of activities that now generate value? And even as I'm talking about that, I'm not thinking about ad revenues that come in, but it's the the perspective of a network or of a, a group of, you know, whoever it might be, individuals on a social network or engagements with customers that that, that have value to those customers that keep bringing them back, not because they've paid for a subscription or it's the only way they can get their work done because that's the tool or service that's being used for them, but actually something which is uh, more valuable than anything else they could find on the marketplace and is is creating something where they want to spend time there and use that that service because it's it's just better than anything else out there. It's something that really serves their purposes, their needs, meets their needs or solves their problems. <laughs> There's such a broad range of types of value that are out there. Uh, there's uh, there's value in so many different ways, and it's the it's the customer who gets to define that. Uh, it's and we far too often fall into this trap of making assumptions that uh, this is what the customer wants, and without actually really building the system to understand whether this is actually giving them the things that they they need. And uh, and because we've moved into a world where it's so much easier to say. Hey, well, I, I don't. You're not giving me the value I want. I'm just going to switch. I'm just going to go to somebody else. It's much easier now to say, uh, "Well, you're you're not providing me the service I want, but this person over here is going to give me the experience I want as well." And it's the there's so much more of that value in being generated in the experience that the particular product or brand uh, delivers versus uh, the. It's not just about the, the cost of it. Anymore. Yeah, I, I really like where you're going there in the sense that as you're describing that, you what you're describing is we have to understand our customer's world. We have to, to kind of step into that. And, and I think it's partly just as a result of massive segmentation that we see nowadays. The market is a market of one rather than a market of you know, 16 to 25-year-olds. And when you're looking at that market of one, we really need to start putting together a model of how that market of one might behave. And the, the reality is that we won't know what's valuable. We will have ideas of what we think our customers find valuable. But then we've got to really sort of have that sort of um, mindset of exploration and curiosity to go and find out what some of that value is and to keep an eye out for where our customer spends time, where they engage and follow through and where they maybe don't. Yeah, definitely. And so there's, uh, in one of the communities that uh, I'm part of uh, called Flow Collective, uh, there's a gentleman called Saeed Khan, who's a, who's a great, I, I love the stuff he brings to the table. And one of the exercises or exercises, kind of a workshop that he's developed um, to help 
his clients understand uh, value is based off um, Bain's uh, value pyramids. So, so a few years ago, Bain created um, these value pyramids, one for B2C and one for B2B. Uh, and within them, you've got different layers of um, types of value. So, for example, the B2C one has at the bottom things like uh, saves time, uh, avoids hassles, reduces costs. Uh, and then at the, the next layer, you've got emotional elements, which are things like uh, uh, wellness attractiveness, um, provides access to things. And then life-changing elements, which uh, provides hope or uh, is an heirloom. And then at the top, you've got social impacting uh, elements like self-transcendence. So there's this idea of almost a Maslow's hierarchy of needs of values. Uh, and it's not it's not complete, but it's a perhaps. I mean, there's always different ways in which we see things that we value, but it's a, it's an interesting way of looking at it and helping people realize that there are so many other different types of value, and they are defined by the, the what the customer is getting from the product, and and different customers might see different value in a product as well. So it's um, different people might uh, value things in a different way for different reasons. Um, so the so the workshop or the exercise he runs through then the, is is based on this idea of taking all of those different elements and then helping people say, well, which of these do you think applies to your products and your services and your your company and your way of delivering? Uh, and how much do you see those as being uh, uh, relevant to your customers? Yeah, I think it's, it's fascinating as you're describing that because that perspective is a customer-centric perspective. It's outside in, not inside out. And uh, the first layer that you describe about cost saving and, and you know removing hassles, well, everybody's familiar with that in our day-to-day life because our companies go through efficiency drives and cost saving drives, are, you know, the budgets get cut. And we all know that world, if you like, from an internal perspective. Um, what I always find, I mean, coming back to that is as long as I'm staying internal to the, to the company, I'm losing the opportunity to to think in the same way for the customers and how they're engaging. And so um, saving money for the company doesn't necessarily save time and money for customers that are using your product. And so I think there, th- what I like about the, the pyramid that, that, that you're just describing there is there's very little to do with the company. There. This is all about a serving nature of we're going out to our customers, our users, and really trying to um, enhance the ability of our customers, our end users, to do whatever it is that they do. I think a, a, a second thing that is a reality when you go into that space is it is subjective, not objective. I mean, one of the benefits of dollars and cents is I get a financial statement. I can see exactly where that is, either in my department or as a company, the share price, whatever it is. There's a proxy that we use for value, which is continually, it's, it's universally understood. When we go into using the pyramid that you're describing and trying to understand that, we now have to bring a number of subjective perspectives as to what that value is, um, which is great from an exploratory and curiosity way, but from a, I, I need to be able to make business decisions and have hard numbers that I can rely on, of course, it's it's frustrating because we're now introducing ambiguity and uncertainty into those decision-making uh, processes. Oh, completely, Ed. And I was thinking as you were saying that, um, 
uh, at the risk of getting a little existential, but money itself is a proxy for value always, because that's uh, we we all agree on what the price of something is, uh, and that's how we use money as that exchange between different uh, things for the price of a, of goods. Um, otherwise, we'd operate in a in a barter system. But even then, it's like, how much do I value this? And uh, the concept of value and uh, are in terms of how much is this worth? for me and how much will it be worth for me in the future? So the, the example of this, uh, the classic example, I think, out of management literature is this idea of, uh, of a diamond and a bottle of water. And depending on the context of where you are, uh, a, a diamond is like it's really, really valuable. And if I'm, uh, if I'm sitting at home and I want to go buy cars and things and goods and all the rest of it, it's like, yeah, give me a huge pile of uh, diamonds uh, because then I can go buy as many bottles of water as I want. However, if I'm uh, lost in the middle of a desert, I don't want diamonds. I want the bottle of water. It's way, way more valuable to me. At that yeah, point. I mean, and again, context is everything. And that what I find interesting, again, is, is there are services, there are products that we can put out there which save customers and end users time money you know those those tangible things somewhat tangible things that, that people care about on the surface but we also know many many different products and services which somehow become very very um, powerful and very strongly recognized which don't touch any of those things which are further up that pyramid of customer value that you described earlier that that um, I mean, think of branded clothing for example or nearly anything that around that there's you know the warmth and the fact that we're in we're, we're wearing clothes has been dealt with early on but there's a lot of sort of social um capital associated with branding and that value and it's interesting in those areas they understand that value they understand value in terms of um perception and how you associate different things with the products that you have. So there's a there is definitely areas of industries that have a very well established understanding of value. And maybe it's just that in the technology world we come across people who do the maths with dollars and cents a little bit more than that. But I think that it's it isn't a case of the unknown that we're going into, coming up with these subjective proxies for value of what our customers need or appreciate. I think there are many models where it's been shown and the fashion industry is one of them where there is an understanding of these sort of amorphous, ambiguous, subjective measures of value. So it isn't, you know, the first time that we're pioneering these things. It's more a case of using those models and translating the ideas, not necessarily the models themselves, but the ideas into how people engage and use the products that we're building. Yeah, for sure. And uh I, I wonder now, too, if um, there was a question that came up in one of the forums, um, one of my uh, lean coffees around. Uh, somebody within an organization was uh, asking about how to uh, measure, uh, fiscally measure the value that an individual software developer delivers, um, which I jokingly and somewhat to poke fun at him said, yeah, we, sure, we can work out a dollars per story point cost for you. And that's, that's a great way of doing it. It's a, uh, that, that's sarcasm for anybody listening. It's a, this is a terrible idea. Like there's so many bad things that come out of this. And so we, 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 uh, we ranted a little bit back and forth and gave him a few other ideas about uh, how to look at measuring value 
to delivery to customers, which is really where we should be doing it. Is like if we're if we're developing software for developing capabilities, if we're looking at the organizational delivery of value to uh, the the customers, then we our focus needs to be there. Right? I think it's it, what you're saying is really interesting because there is this functional view of your team does this and it's expensive or it's not expensive, you know, from a, from a cost perspective, if you like. And we associate cost with value very, very quickly. There's, you know, cost plus pricing and things like this, that, that association of the cost of something and comparing it to value. But I think there's a whole other piece, which is where we create value. It's the intangible side of things. And when I look at the success stories around us, they invariably don't take that sort of cost plus model. They're not taking, you know, it costs this much to create something and I can add a little bit of value. But they're telling a story. They're creating in a contextually, situationally specific experience where then the cost is completely different. And the cost is, is almost irrelevant in the sense of the value that is created. And the value far exceeds what we're seeing in terms of, you know, it, it kind of replaces our cost plus mentality. Um, and I, I'm just thinking of a number of services that we're all using on our phones nowadays, or we're using on our computers that things that 10 years ago we would never have needed or thought that we need. And yet now we don't think twice about either giving our own personal information so that they're able to, you know, we are the product and they're building on top of that. Um, or whether it's something else. And we started this talking about gaming a little bit, just saying that, you know, earlier on today about taking a, a time out to do some gaming. Well, that's an example of somewhere where the value is far in excess of the perceived cost of whatever it is, whether it's the, the game subscription itself or the, you know, the machines that we use to allow us to play the games. But there's a whole immersive experience there. And in that pyramid that we're talking about it's further and further up that pyramid and there's there's definitely some really interesting things that go out there but the challenge is i think we don't have the tools necessarily in a lot of the organizations that we're working with we're looking at these simpler tools where there's a spreadsheet and you know, some discounted cash flows or whatever it is we can do that side of it business case for them but we're not able necessarily to really think about the 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 narrative that we're providing and the serve, sort of the quality of experience that can be delivered, which has value, which really starts um, being very much more interesting, if you like, from a customer and user's perspective. I, I think that's a beautiful way of summing it up. And uh, at the risk of, uh, of overrunning and going into even more topics, because I can think of a lot of different ways of going, I, I think that's a beautiful way of like sort of wrapping up this conversation. And so is there anything else you'd like to add? We do. I think the danger is I'm going to take, <laughs> like you say, it's a, it's a topic that, that, you know, as you peel it back, there's so much to talk about. I'm sure we'll come back to it at yes. some point. Um, but I think we've really kind of, this has been quite wide ranging. We've touched on a range of things. So yeah. Awesome. Back to you, Peter. Well, well, thank you to everybody for listening. And uh, yeah, that wraps up another podcast today. You've been listening to Definitely Maybe Agile, the podcast where your hosts, Peter Madison and David Sharrock, Focus on the art and science of digital, agile, and DevOps at scale.